Hi guys and welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast, another creator interview coming your way and today's guest is a big one for me personally, you know, responsible for one of my favourite comic series of all time. You may have heard me mention in the store once or twice the phenomenal Deadly Class, it's, it's one of Image Comics' longest running titles which sadly comes to an end with the upcoming release of issue 56 and yes he drew every single one of those issues and even a free comic book day issue to boot. With one chapter coming to a close, a brand new one is about to begin with the upcoming Kaya, which he will not only draw, but also write and provide covers for. The title got its preview via the Image Anthology book, and suffice to say, it is already looking fantastic. We'll certainly be chatting about that quite a bit. Outside of those two big Image titles, he has also the creator-owned title, The Grave Diggers Union, with Toby Cypress under his belt, has drawn for DC and Marvel, and most importantly, drawn the awesome commission of Marcus, Saya, and Maria standing outside the doors of Coffee and Heroes. So your host is always Alan, the owner of Coffee and Heroes, joined by Keith as always, and it's a genuine pleasure to introduce the one and only Wes Craig. So welcome to the podcast, sir, and how are you keeping? I'm I'm good. Thank you very much. Yeah, my uh, my commission was a proper bribery to get me on the show, so uh, it worked. It, it worked. It worked. It worked. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. How about you guys? How you doing? We are keeping well, thank you. Keeping very well, yeah. as I say. I'll, I'll try not to fanboy out too much here, as I say, big fan. So, thanks. Uh, Wes, whereabouts are you in the world? I'm over in Montreal, up in Canada. Uh, it is uh, yeah, one thirty here in the afternoon, and. Uh, it's the last little bit of summer for us in Montreal before fall comes, which is good, but it's always that kind of, you know, our, we have uh, much like Game of Thrones, winter is coming always. It's a warning up up in Canada. So it's like, uh, that gets very, very, very cold. So just trying to enjoy the the nice sun and, and nice weather while it lasts for the for the next few months. Lovely. And is, is Montreal your your home place? Your... Yeah, born and, born and raised in Montreal. Yeah, my, oh, my, wife, my wife is from Toronto, which which is a city in uh, Canada mm-hmm. who was unaware. And, uh, but yeah, we live in Montreal with uh, our two kids. And uh, yeah, my parents live here. Yeah, been, and my brother lives here. Yeah, we've uh, wow, born, and ra- born in ways and, and we like it. So yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Never never felt the need to felt the need to leave. Well, uh, as a, you know, as you're growing up and, and, and living in, in Montreal, what uh, what got you into comics as a, a reader? What was your first, what was your first comics experience? Uh, first comic experience was, you know, when I was a really little kid, I, I think it was my, I, it's, it's hazy memories, obviously as a little tiny little kid, but my dad, I think bought us just to keep us occupied. Me and my, my brother's older than me. He's into comic books. I was the younger brother. So I'm kind of copying him as younger brothers do. Um, he started drawing, drawing superheroes before I drew superheroes. And, uh, he, he actually has, um, uh, I can't give any details there's like still still things to be worked out but he's actually got a, a, his first comic book coming out uh, next year so wow. um uh but yeah he started off reading comic books and i copied him it's just that at a certain point it's like kind of he's he fell off and just did his own thing for a while and i was just drawing 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 so i kind of got in you know uh, got in the door bef- before him but he's kind of caught up over time um but yeah my dad bought us a comic the first few comic books that we still have to this day are French translations because Montreal is like French and English. So there's mm-hmm. like, and, and my dad uh, being, uh, he was probably trying to save some money. So what they would do is they would have these French black and white compilations of like, of like Marvel stories, like the Avengers and stuff like that kind of John Byrne era, uh, not John Byrne, um, like George Perez, John Byrne, that, that mm-hmm. early late seventies, early eighties era uh, Avengers and stuff like that. So he would buy us these compilations and uh, yes, we still, I think we still have them. And it's like, 
Thor and Firebrand on the cover of one and the great the gray gargoyle I think his name is on the cover uh, of another one yes. and all that kind of stuff so that that got us into it um and then and eventually we actually went to our my you know we went on what seemed like a long like to a little kid track I to get to this place called Captain Quebec which was it was and kind of is a, a chain of comic shops here and when I got into there it's like relatively small comic shop when you're a kid it seems like oh my god like a giant library of <laughs> yeah. oh there's so many i don't even know where to begin you know there's like role-playing game stuff at the books sci-fi doctor who and star trek novels and like uh like, like translate you know um, those kind of novels that would be you know what i mean yeah um, yeah uh, fellow nerds i don't need to explain the, the translation <laughs> these, 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 these adaptations company. of these of these things like this but uh the first thing that i got into where i was like digging through the the back bins to try to complete my collection was uh, was teen titans by george perez and uh mm. just passed recently and, yeah. uh, and marvel marvel and that was like the first thing that i was like a real fanboy for where i i loved it so much and i think it was like issue 16 was my first one and i was trying desperately to find issue 15 14 13 and on from there you know that's what got me uh, addicted awesome well that's uh sounds very much like my uh my early comic book experiences as well there was a yeah. There's a store, a store in Belfast that we talk about often called uh, Talisman. And I remember, I'm not from Belfast. I remember traveling down from the North Coast to Belfast. And that was the first specialty comic store I've ever been in. And very much how you describe it. You know? so it <laughs> it's was, a trip. Yeah. I'd, I'd never spent as much pocket money at the one time. No, for sure. And then, it, yeah, then it became a thing of like, of like, how little can I, can I, use my lunch money for and like <laughs> if i could just buy this one little thing that costs a dollar then maybe i'll have like three dollars left and i can go to this other shop that we had that was near my high school and we went in there and i remember seeing my first mobius image and my first uh all kinds of stuff akira all, all stuff that just like to the, again to this day it's like serious serious like burned into my memory kind of mm -hmm. uh, things that 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 art just kind of blew me away you know um, yeah, a, it's a serious, it's a serious addiction. Oh, it, 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 it very much is. We all share. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the sort of so joke at the moment. Like a, the joke at the moment is get your kids into comics. They'll never have money to, you know, do drugs. So. Yeah. 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 That's I mean, true. We told, we told you this was a podcast. It's actually a self-help group. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You say you remember those old black and white Marvel reprints, you know, and, and French and so forth. And then your first experience sort of collecting was Teen Titans. I mean, did you feel that sort of tribal nature growing up or were you a DC or a Marvel guy or did you discover indie comics early on and have that sort of preference or are you like most sensible people like ourselves and actually like everything? <laughs> yeah, I uh, just also just to be clear, those original, those first ones were French and black and white. Uh, the Teen Titans was the first thing that I, I mean, once we got into, the, once we knew what we were doing, then we started picking up these English, these English proper ones that are full color and the mm -hmm. ones that are, they were coming from the United States um but uh yeah no i i remember liking everything i wasn't like it's at, as a kid i guess it was really like teen titans versus x-men was the big thing dc's big popular thing was teen titans marvelous thing obviously was x-men in in the i guess you know like mid 80s and um i but i did what i just i really like teen titans but it didn't make me into like i have to only collect dc i was just like i remember that's one of the great things about a comic book shop is that like if, it, if you're picking up off the newsstand maybe the only options you have would be dc marvel or like archie but i mean when you go into the comic shop it's just it's i remember there was the spirit by kitchen sink press uh will eisner's the spirit mm -hmm. um and there's like the first great manga with manga was coming over so it's like i saw like 
Lone Wolf and Cub and Akira and Ghost in the Shell and all these things. And like, uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff. And obviously the the vast amount of it was superhero stuff, DC and Marvel, uh, just like it is today. Although, you know, a slightly different landscape, but obviously they're, they're, they've, they have been in, and are dominant still. But like, uh, yeah, I love that stuff, but there was enough small publishers, like first, first, uh, being a publisher and like the tick and like all kind you know mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. superhero stuff but it didn't also didn't have to be dc and marvel it was just kind of like uh like a wealth of different different things you know mm. kitchen sink press is a such an underappreciated small publisher they uh they had uh xenozoic tales which became cadillac's yeah. dinosaurs mark schultz such a such a series such yeah a for series. sure i don't i'm just i'm just starting i'm I just read a book on like the the undergrounds you know the history mm-hmm. of robert, robert crumb and all that stuff and not just robert crumb but you know him to start it off and everybody else and i didn't realize how how um dennis kitchen the publisher of kitchen sink was so integral to so many little different aspects of of the industry and helping will eisner kind of set up you know bring the spirit back and back into publication and stuff like that yeah it's really uh, all these little publishers are a lot more important than we than we think you know like in terms of changing the industry mm-hmm. and stuff and i used to love that stuff too because it's something about um I'm, I'm rambling a little bit but like um just at the time it was like you know spider-man and superman and all these characters like you're you, you love them but you're also you're aware that these characters have been, existed forever mm-hmm. but and that's the big thing about image is that like when that was the thing that kind of that i got into when i was a kid is that it's like when, when image started coming out uh and and other publishers too again like like you're saying xenozoic tales and, and other things that are kind of these can be years and they just came out yeah. in this era you know um and the same thing with image it's kind of like whether they're good or bad it's like young blood is a new team and they're for you at you're at this age that you're at and spawn and savage dragon everybody you know like all these teams came along and it's like and, and that that was part of the appeal is that these these can be years for your generation yeah. you know? you're there at the start you're there at the start. Yeah. You got the number one, you know, <laughs> the origin, the, not much of an origin story for some of those. I mean, uh, but uh, some, some of them were cool. Some of them, you know, they're just kind of not quite there, I guess. But at the time I thought they were all, when you're, when you're a 13 year old kid or however old I was, it's like, they're all super cool. You know, yeah. you, you don't need too much of a story to get you into it. You just the cool art and you're not jaded at that age. So you're just kind of like enjoying it for what it's mm. worth, you know? I'm getting excited because uh, this month's previews, uh, Matthew Rosenberg has taken over Wildcats, which of course was one of those mm-hmm. original image titles. And I'm just excited that the, 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 the kid in me, the teenager in me, you know, is, is really yeah. excited about that coming back. But talking yeah. about origin stories, Wes, uh, what about yours? How did you break into the industry and, and was your aim always to get into comics, you know, after that appreciation as a, yeah. as a youngster? Uh, always. It was like, I had a, Again, I keep a lot of stuff. I'm glad that I still have it. So one thing that I have is this old, it's in a, like one of those old, old binders. And it's like, what are you going to do when you grow up? And it's, it was, I wrote it in like grade, grade five or something like that. And it just goes, uh, I am like, you know, the cockiness of a, of a kid that age. I'm like, I'm going to draw comic books. I'm going to do them for DC comics. I'm going to move to New York city. Like I had it all like planned out, you know? So <laughs> things change over time and at a certain age you get a little bit more of an understanding of the world you're like maybe this will happen maybe this won't but no matter whether it happened or not I was still drawing I was still loving writing and drawing my own stories just for my own entertainment all through high school like it wasn't like I didn't have like a geeky group of friends it was just like me and me and my brother were not uh it's we were more into like we were kind of like 
punks like rockabillies like kind of trying to be cool trying to meet girls but at home you know i'd go home and we'd read our comics books and we'd be nerds with each other and be like have uh-huh. you seen that have you seen the new issue of this thing or that thing and just drawing and stuff um because it's different than it different back then than it yeah. is now where it's yeah. kind of like geek, geek culture is very much more accepted and interesting and everyone knows what it is and back in the day it was a little bit more like you if you ever want to kiss a girl you do not want to <laughs> you know you want to keep that kind of like to yourself to a certain degree and maybe you'll be lucky enough to meet a girl that's also into it but it was rare back back in the day um so anyway uh uh yeah i just like um i kept drawing for myself for my own enjoyment and then eventually i was kind of like i think i'm good enough to do this you know um and you need that kind of blind cockiness when you're young because you're like because you just wouldn't make the steps <laughs> if you knew how bad your art actually was looking at it you'd be like i'm not good enough to do this but you think you're good at the time me and my brother, we'd go down to San Diego. We went to, I think we went to San Diego Comic Convention twice uh, as as novices, as just like fans. But I went with my portfolio. Like I went with the with the task of like trying to get a job or trying to make contacts or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd stand in this big, huge, never ending line of portfolios, just trying to get like reviews from like Mark Chiarello back in the day for DC Comics. And there'd be like this whole area that was just like, there's Dark Horse, there's all the image, you know, Top Cow at the time and the Todd and Frolic Productions and this Wildstorm, et cetera, et cetera. All the different publishers had like their portfolio reviewers and they'd all have big long lineups. And I would just stand in each lineup and just get get mowed down by these people's uh, appraisals <laughs> of my art. Some some good, some bad. I remember Giarello being really like just kind of that nice, like this is working. You need to work on this, you know. So you go you go back, you're not, you know, you got stuff to work on, but you don't feel yeah. like you're not you're not crushed, you know. Yeah. Constructive. Um, constructive criticism it's like he, he was really good at that and uh and it, i just kept i kept sending samples away through the mail old school style and uh i would get once in a while i'd get letters back from uh from from editors that, again i started off a lot with dc because it's just they were more uh, appreciative they were they were a bit more like i got a handwritten note from like th- this editor joey cavallari back in the day and uh another uh editor dan raspler gave me a call and said you're on the right track and I was like, cool. I was so psyched. And then I kept on working and working. And then he, a year later, he like called me up and he's like, it's Dan Raspler. I just want to tell you, you're on the right track. And I was like, you called me a year ago. Like he completely <laughs> didn't realize I was the same person as a year ago. And I was like, I uh-huh. guess I got to start sending these things more often. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so, but, it, but it, it helped, you know, it was like someone notices, someone's noticing. And it's not, it's not just like a wall that seems like insurmountable. Yeah. So, and then from there, uh, I was living downtown and, um, uh, just working bit jobs so I could have enough time, like just kind of part-time jobs that were just enough to pay the rent and give me enough time during the day to, to do more comic book work, just trying to make stuff happen. And I got a call uh, or I got an email from from DC Comics and they had a they had a comic called Touch they were starting and uh, they offered it to me and I just looked at my brother and I was like, oh my, you know, I see the DC Comics in the, in the email and oh my God, they just offered me a job and I uh, I, I just walked around in a bit of a daze, just couldn't believe it, you know, because it was it had, it had taken not the roughest story in the world, but also like you know it had taken quite a few years, so it yeah. felt like a real a real accomplishment. Um, and then it, yeah, so from there, just because you get your foot in the door doesn't mean that you're in. It's like that went for six issues, then that got canceled because no one was buying it, and then it was like a little thing here, a little thing there, and uh, uh, just kept kind of little bit jobs and sometimes I took some got jobs in video games just to pay the rent but the the goal was always to kind of keep at the comic book thing um 
uh, yeah, that's the, uh, before I ramble any more than that, I'm going to cut it right there, but that was, that was <laughs> from beginning, from beginning to first time in. Yeah. That's, that's the story. That, uh, that belies a certain amount of, uh, certain amount of focus and, uh, and drive there Wes, for sure. Yeah. It's also that thing where it's like, I, I, to this day, I don't know how to do anything else. I, to the detriment of any other skills, I was just like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And then you find yourself where you're like, Oh no, like if I don't do this, what am I going to do for a career? I have no other skills. I can draw pretty well and I can write comics pretty well, but like I can, when I got jobs, they were always like just manual labor, just sweeping floors, just like not, not quite, you know, breaking bricks or whatever, but like, it was just kind of like just bit jobs here and there. I had, I had to go to like placement agencies that give you the, just the crappiest jobs in the whole city to do, you know, uh, stuff like that. And I was like, Oh boy, I better, this better work because I'm in trouble if it doesn't. So that, that motive that's a big motivator too (laughs) well that's essentially it you're 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 paying your dues and i think certainly with editors coming back to you in that sense it's it's a case of this work is great but let me see that you will stick at it you know and you will you know improve yeah you know work on your sequential work as well as splash pages and things like that i would imagine i mean going back and looking at that obviously touch being your first published work i did notice the interesting detail that you're credited on the cover of that as wesley craig as opposed to Wes Craig. Yeah. When, when did that yeah. separation happen? No, I, I was speaking, I've been done, you know, one or two of these things to kind of get the word out about Kaya and uh, somebody else mentioned that too. And it was like for some Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. And I guess it's just editors that just didn't bother to ask me. It is Wesley Craig, but it's just more like my whole life, it's always just been Wes. So I, I find it strange to be too proper, you know, to be like uh, credited as Wesley Craig, but sometimes the editors would ask, should it be Wesley? And mm-hmm. I think my email is Wesley, so they just kind of assume maybe or something. Um, but for a while now, yeah, it just kind of like, for some reason, it kind of irks me a little bit. So it, I think for the last little while, it's been like, just credit me as, as Wes. I presumed know? it was more to do with your signature that Wes Craig was just so much neater and tidier to do. It is <laughs> lazier, less le- less letters is always better, you know, saving time. <laughs> Tell that to the letter that's getting paid by the letter. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, across the across the, the run of your work, uh, well, I mean, I suppose it's a, it's a it's a tricky question, maybe. Who's been your 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 favorite collaborator, or or what has been your favorite project to work on? You know, up until this point. I mean, you know, that's that's the other side of that. That's where I cut myself off on that rambling story of how I get into comics is the next time that happened to me where I looked at my email and said, what is this person emailing me for? I like, like kind of couldn't believe it was when was when Rick Remender emailed me for and asked and offered me deadly class because I was like, I was already a fan of his work. I liked Strange Girl was the main one for me. He did a, a title quite a while ago, like before his Marvel, more in the fear agent era before mm-hmm. his Marvel work called Strange Girl. And I liked his other stuff too. And I, I was picking, I, I think I was picking up X-Force at the time. Um, and just the stuff he was doing, even if I wasn't picking it up, I was like, oh, it's cool what he's doing on Punisher. It's cool what he's doing with, uh, uh, I read an article about him turning Brother Voodoo into the next Doctor Strange. And just, right. he, was just yeah. he was just doing cool stuff at Marvel, you know? Um, and uh, so I was kind of down for whatever he wanted to do. And from there, it's just like, he's he's just been very open with like, I mean, on the business side, he's been super cool with me. And, uh, and on the, uh, creative side, he's kind of given me a lot of room, like all those, all that, some of the stuff that people enjoy about deadly class, the weird layouts and the kind of playing with the storytelling of comic books and stuff. I mean, that's, that's the thing that I really wanted to bring to it. And he gave me 
tons of room. He could have been like, no, this is how it's got to be. Panel one, panel two, very specific descriptions and stuff. You, some some writers, like including myself, are a bit more controlling in that way. They they envision it a certain way and they kind of want it that way. But he's very he was very collaborative. So. Uh, and, and also like I was doing a lot of comic book work before that, but nothing was really gaining too much traction in terms of an audience and stuff. And once I got on Deadly Class, it really became like, people know me for this comic. I can go to conventions and meet fans. I go to conventions, meet other creators that know me for this. They mm -hmm. seem to appreciate it. So it was very different. It's like literally like the first time I went to a con after I did the first few issues of Deadly Class, uh, a fellow creator like introduced me to a bunch of other people. They're like, this is Wes Craig. He does Deadly Class. And it was like, most of the people there, they're like, oh yeah, we know, we know Deadly Class. And I was like, oh, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Instant recognition. Something, you know? Yeah, a little bit of recognition. Yeah. So, uh, so that was nice. So yeah, I can't, you know, I got to say him, but aside from that, it's like the creative and everybody is, Deadly Class is a very uh, collaborative in, in every way process and working with Lee Lorich and, and Jordan Boyd for the middle part there and, and Russ Wooten's amazing on, on lettering. It's, it's, it's a, it's going to be weird when it's over. That's a part of it that it's kind of like uh, not being in contact with them as much will be strange. It's, it's mostly me and Rick, but also there's, you know, there's, there's, I am in contact with the, the whole creative team and it, that'll be a bit strange. Um, and doing, doing Gravediggers was just like a trip to work with, I was a big, I was like, I had like three different artists that I was like, it, one of these guys could do this idea that I have in my head. Um, I'm doing Deadly Class, so I, I can't do it. I can't do like two, two titles in, uh, at the same time. But I was like, so I got these three different artists and they're all amazing. And it, maybe one of them will say yes to it. Uh, and Toby Cypress was over time. It just, it became Toby Cypress that was the person to go with. But I was like, if, if one of these if I can't get any of these three people to say yes, then I don't even know if I'm going to do it. I just have it such so specifically envisioned where it's like, I don't want to get my, my, I want to go down the line of maybe he, they could draw it. Maybe they could draw it. I just wanted, I wanted it to look how I wanted it to look, you know? So I was lucky with that. Toby's got this very cool, modern, crazy style. And uh, yeah, it's like, I can, that was my first, um, my first example of just being able to see uh, that, that thing that writers, the buzz that writers get where they give you a script and then the art comes back and Nico Guardia colors it and Jordan Jared Fletcher uh, letters it and seeing a whole team bring it to life is like, it is, that's also a very addictive, very, uh, a very fun thing that kind of makes you want to do it again. Um, and I'm hoping to do more of that stuff. I just want to get Kaya up and running. And then once that's kind of the machine is working a bit smoother, then I'll, I have a few other ideas I'd like to flesh out and offer to other other artists to see if they're interested in that. Oh. Yeah. Well, of course, it was an absolute inevitability given my own fandom that the conversation would come to Deadly Class. And you mentioned it was sort of an email out of the blue from Rick with, with bringing you on board. I mean, how long was that process from sort of it being pitched to you to working on it to release? Was that a relatively long process or did it was it quite rapid? Uh, it was like... it. It took a few, we just had a few months. I'm not sure. I forget. It's it, again, it's, it's almost like a decade now. So some of the details I forget, but um, there was like the announcement that we did at the, at one of the, one of the image, um, image expos. So I'm not sure if it was supposed to be timed with that or if they knew exactly, maybe they knew when they wanted it to come out for to be timed with black science or something like that. I, I forget, you know, but um but yeah, I do remember having a little bit of time at the front there and uh, Sebastian Gierner was our editor originally and it was like uh, Rick and me and him talking about the different characters and some kind of took and some, you know, some 
some kind of took off and like, okay, that's going to be like, I remember like originally Maria was just a visual of, of, of wouldn't it be cool if this character with the death, death mask and the, the de, la, de los muertos kind of look to her would, wouldn't that be cool? Um, and then her personality and everything kind of grew from there. And same thing with like, we want someone from the Yakuza. It started off as kind of archetypes of like, just the different gangs, like what, what different gangs would put their kids into this, into this crazy school. And it, it kind of, it grew from there. Uh, Marcus was relatively figured out, I think from Rick, cause it's like, there's a lot of Rick in Marcus and uh, that mixed with just this street kid. I think he had that kind of figured out. Um, but uh uh, yeah, there was a little bit of time there at the beginning to flesh that stuff out. Uh, in terms of signing on for it, that was super fast because it was like email, awesome, get on the phone. He's a punk rock kid. I'm a punk rock kid. Our ages are basically the same. So he grew up in like Arizona. I'm in Montreal, but we have so many of the same kind of musical and just kids being idiots kind of uh, touch, <laughs> t- t- touchstones that it was like we knew right away that it's like we're this is this isn't going to be a problem we'll we we basically speak the same language so it's like we can we can do this you know i was up for it for sure and uh luckily he was too um but yeah and then it was like the comics coming out and then it was just the first issue was like 36 pages or something so it's kind of like right from then it was always just kind of trying to play catch up with that deadline but uh stayed mostly pretty good with that you know except for a big gap right near the end there which wasn't it just that's just life and pandemic and stuff like that but aside from that i think we've kept up as pretty well with the schedule more or less i mean you mentioned as well that uh you know working with with rick in particular was a was a collaborative process between between yourselves but in general you know your relationship as an artist with the writer do you tend to sort of stay in your own lanes as writer and artist or you do you go back and forth on ideas much more than that like i would uh if that's what the writer wanted because uh, i'm not trying to you know step on any toes really if he's got a very specific idea then that's that's all good you know i and i i i'm that way when i write so i'm a bit more controlling than he is i would say honestly I don't like to admit that, but it's just, it is what it is. Everybody plays to their strengths and they have their own psychology and that's just how it is. Um, no, he's much more collaborative and more like the thing isn't figured out until the thing goes to print. Like he does a, a basic dialogue pass in the script that he gives me, but then the full final dialogue is only done after the artwork because he kind of realizes some things need to be said, some things need to be described more, some things this this can be taken out because it says it all in the art, et cetera. Um, and yeah, he kind of has a thing where he he always calls me up. I think he calls up multiple people. He he has kind of a method where he just he's, he he likes to have soundboards and he likes to see what people's actual physical reactions are when he tells them the story. Um, so he'll call me up and he'll kind of walk me through each issue. And if something isn't working, or I'm like, I just I don't know if that makes sense, or you know, there's certain aspects maybe either he has he can't quite crack it, or I have a thing where I'm like, I don't know, and then he'll have to kind of if I'm not sure about a scene, he has to be able to stand up for it, you know, and if he can't, then maybe it needs to be figured out a bit better. So yeah, there, there's a bit of more of a, there's a more of a back and forth with that than any other writer I've worked with. Um, at the end of the day, it's still his story to tell and it's, and it's mostly figured out, but it's like, he likes to work out the little bits and pieces that, and just kind of bring it together a little bit more tightly, I think through, through talking it out in uh, over the phone or Skype or whatever. Nice. 
Well, I mean, yeah. Deadly Class has a quite unique structure, I think, as well, because the first sort of 40 or so, maybe 45 issues, they seem to take place in a quite constricted time frame. Whereas certainly mm. as we reach the end, there's time jumps and characters getting older and this and that. I mean, when Deadly Class was first pitched to you by Rick, did he have a, a set length in mind? You know, if this is a success, we hope to run for X amount of issues, or has it just been sort of arc by arc and seeing how it does? Yeah, I, I would imagine that at the very beginning, it's it like for anybody, it's kind of like, let's see how it does. Also, because it's not Rick's usual style of thing. And a lot of the stuff that he's done is science fiction or kind of science fiction-ish uh, stuff. This is different. I think that helps actually in, in, in our way because that there's no other title that Rick does that's kind of like this kind of a title where it's a piece of his life as a kid mixed in with assassin school crazy <laughs> crazy stuff you know like ninjas and whatever but like there are pieces of his of his life and other people that he grew up with their lives kind of injected in there um so the assassin school was was your life right yeah my so yeah. my life was the assassin school <laughs> yeah. making i was i was a, a homeless hobo child and uh and rick was <laughs> <laughs> yeah and rick was in the yakuza so uh <laughs> um uh what i was gonna say was uh I'm blanking on uh, where I was going to go with that. What was the initial question again? Just to do with the length of the series, you know, was it a case oh, yeah, of let's yeah. it's twelve issue yeah. sells and we can, it's, you know, dictate I the think, length? I think we, yeah, he's more of a guy that doesn't. I mean, I guess he's switched over a bit more to limited series, li mini series now. But you know, he's most mostly like an ongoing kind of a guy, and his ideas one idea spawns like five ideas. So it's just that's kind of again how his brain works, where it's like he, that's why I think they become longer than he originally intends. But once we saw that it was a success and people were really into it, I think we settled into like around 50 issues is what pretty soon after that. It, it's been a long time. We've been talking about like around 50 issues. And when it was a TV show for that short period there, we were like, maybe we would be fools not to expand it a little bit more. Maybe we just kind of broaden it out by maybe a few a few trade paperbacks or whatever. We weren't sure what to do with the, what to do there. Um, but then that ended up kind of like, oh, the, the series is canceled. And then it just shrunk back to our, what we originally had planned, where it's like, yeah, we'll end around 50. Uh, it just takes more time. We needed more time to tell the story as it needed to be told. So it ends up 56 is the, is the final issue. Just because, yeah, that, that whole thing is like the last two trade paperbacks worth of, of stuff was supposed to be just one trade paperback. But it's like, there's just too much to tell, too much fun to be had, too much more stuff that becomes available when you're fast forwarding through time um fun fun things to play with but in these time jumps where you can see oh no well, suddenly this character's here and then eight years later they're all the way over here you know stuff like that is so we we wanted the wanted the space to tell it right and make people feel like they had gotten you know you want them to you, you want to stick the landing as they say at the ending you want people to feel uh, satisfied and that uh that final issue hits on october the 12th uh it's probably a wee while since you worked on it but you know how has it I'm, been i'm working on it like before we talk and after we talk i'm, I'm finishing up like the last uh it's the it's like 38 pages it's, it's a giant for an issue so uh that's why actually it should have finished first obviously and then kaya number one would come out but just it's like i'm working on kaya at number two as i'm working on deadly class the last issue so they're they're overlapped so yeah, it's just playing out that way where it's like the first issue of Kaya comes out October 5th and then ne the next week is the last issue of Deadly Class. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm wrapping it up right now. I've, I've got like three pages left or something like that. And the rest of the creative team, they already have most of the issues. So they're starting to work on the coloring, dialogue, et cetera. Wow. 
and how how has that been for you? You know, working on the on the final issue of a of a fifty six issue run. Yeah, it's 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 a strange experience for sure. It's kind of like these moments don't really catch me in in the moment. It's more like I look back on it, and that's when the emotions kind of hit me. Like, wow, that was I can't believe that was crazy. It was ten years, and it was a TV show for a while, and people loved it, and my whole career is different now than it used to be, and all that stuff and just how my life is separate from that has changed all the things that I've been through. It's like, I've gotten married, had two kids moved uh, twice, you know, like just like all these little touchstones that have happened along this along this time. Um, but I do, I got to keep going with Kaya and make yeah. sure that those deadlines don't bite me in the ass. But at the end of the day, you know, when I'm finished this deadly class, I got to take at least a day, a, a few days to, I'm just going to go for a nice long walk and try to try to process all this stuff. I think it'll be a bad idea if I just jump into the next deadline thing. I got to give, got to just sit back for a minute and, mm-hmm. and kind of try to take it in for the day and then, you know, get back to work the next day. I mean, if it's right there, you say that you're working on it. Obviously, once we finish recording, you, you can just show me every page and, you know, give a little, <laughs> little heads up. I mean, I'm, I'm dreading that final issue because, yeah, you know, sure. not, not to go into too many story details, of course, but obviously... Rick writes Marcus is very cynical the whole way through it and even the whole way through issue 55 talks about there are no happy endings <laughs> and this and that so the feeling of dread that hangs over this series is uh, is remarkable yeah it's uh, definitely on purpose <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I mean speaking of 56 issues I mean it, it, it's an incredible achievement I think in, in independent comics to get to 56 issues I mean Sex, uh, sorry, the, the series debuted during an incredibly creative image boom, I think. You know, loads of big number yeah. ones, Saga, Sex Criminals, Pretty Deadly, Rat Queens, and, you know, and many, many more, too many to mention. Black Science, of course, you'd mentioned as well. And uh, along with Saga, which, of course, took a few years break, you know, you guys are some of the last ones standing. You know, are you ready to close the complete chapter on Deadly Class with this, or will there maybe be ideas for future revisits, or is this very much nail in the coffin, we're done? Uh, I would say, I would, oh man, that's a tough one. I would say like, just to not get any hopes up. It's like pretty much it's done. I would, I think this ending is, I mean, I, for sure this ending is, is the ending. Um, but I would also say never say never. It's always one of those things. Like, I don't want to say it, it was such a fun time and there's so many other ideas that we didn't explore. And obviously we jumped through time, like in the ending here, but it doesn't mean that there wouldn't be. And the school is like a huge school. There's you know, filled with hundreds of students that we never explored. So it's like, there's always the possibility that you could, we could go back and do a sideline of characters back to when they were teenagers, not fast forwarding into like modern times or whatever. Um, man, that would be fun. And you just start, and the way Rick's brain works and my brain is just, you start even just thinking about that for a few minutes and your brain just starts going like, taking over. this can happen and this can happen and we can do this. And that, you know, like that, that could, I could picture that getting going one day, but at the same time, like I could also, I, there are no plans to do that currently. And I don't think we will do it, but it's one of those things like we enjoyed collaborating. I, I think we'll work on something again in the future. I just really wanted to kind of try this, try it on my own for a little while and i've had this idea for 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 as long as i've been doing deadly class kaya has been in one one form or another kind of in my mind it's been evolving and changing over time but it's like i just i've been wanting to get to this thing but again i can't do two issues two comics at the same time so it just i'm like 
I'm completely committed to Deadly Class. I am not leaving for any reason. Uh, even if, if DC or Marvel came calling, like none of that. I did two short stories for DC, but that was when um, the pandemic was in full swing and, and there was just no Deadly Class. We were just weren't, uh, Rick was dealing with his stuff, uh, just pandemic related stuff and overworking with like Hollywood and all the different comics mm -hmm. and everything. He was getting burnt out. So like there was a little break there. Um, so I did a little bit of DC stuff that I thought would be fun, but I was like, it was always one of those things like, you're not going to leave if somebody comes calling and he offers you some crazy deal. And like, I, I, I don't think Rick would ever believe me until it was over, but I was like, I swear, like no one can call me and offer me anything. Like, I hate when that happens when I'm a reader. I hate, I just, I hate yeah. it when you, yeah. when a comic just disappears and it's like, it's the worst, you know? So like, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to be the artist the whole time. I hate that too. When there's just too many, you know, yeah, changes. like one of my, I was reading, I was watching Sandman recently and I was like, one of the things I did, I like, I like that series a lot, but one of the things I didn't like is just the amount of different artists. It would have been so cool if they had just had one artist like through the whole run. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it was always a matter of finish that up and then worry about the next thing you're going to do. So, uh, yeah, so the answer is probably no, but never say never. Yeah. Uh, Alan, you have to appreciate that that gentleman just answered that question without spoiling anything for you. So I know. I, <laughs> well, I mean, well, well I done with. I suppose the reason I ask is because I, I think the free comic book day was a good example because the story was already further along at that point. And then there was like this throwback issue, you know, yeah. showing the kids being kids at a concert and this and that. And I suppose it's yeah. just that more, I mean, just like revisiting little one shots or, or so forth. But as you say, there's, there's quite a large mythology there, but I also love the idea of a definitive ending. I mean, one of my mm -hmm. other favorite series is why the last man 60 issues yeah. done perfect, you know? So it's, yeah. you, you always want more of what you enjoy, but there's also something satisfying about a, a you know, sticking the landing, as you say yeah when people come back it's like generally speaking i'm trying to think of examples where it's like it's really lived up to it and it's kind of rare you know whether it be tv shows or comics or whatever when people come back it's like you have that initial excitement but you're kind of like i mean if you can't tell a killer story then just uh don't do it yeah, you know? just so, yeah it, it would take something it would take something really 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 badass <laughs> but Talk just thinking about it yeah yeah, good example of that would be uh, the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. <laughs> yeah, and look how long that took, and they yeah, and it's almost exactly. like a, a different kind of story. Yeah. It wouldn't have it wouldn't have made sense up until it's like they had to wait until everybody yeah. was almost like washed up for it to be like the story they're telling, where it's like that is who they are basically, you know. So yeah, yeah. they're that's true actually. So there are examples, but it, it's they're that's hard right. to come by, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Alan mentioned Why the Last Man, which. Which I read uh, fairly recently through the mm. through the, uh, the the big the big omnibus, but the mm. deluxe editions of Deadly Class are really really beautiful things with the expanded art and the the binding. Do, do you what, what's your level of input in those? Uh, you know, and uh, uh, well, I mean, yeah, there's quite a bit of input. We work with designers and stuff over the course of it. There's different designers over the course of the creating those, but. Uh, I kind of have a vision for, okay, there's probably, that's the other thing too, is that you kind of want to know around how long your series is going to be. Cause it's like, okay, well, that will be four trade paper. Uh, that will be uh, four hardcovers because there's still one more to come obviously. So in terms of, I have a specific idea for this, for the, for the soft covers, like it's like a rainbow of colors. Uh, each trade paperback has its own 
bold color, and it's the same thing for the uh, for the, uh, the the hardcovers. They have their own color colors, and and I want them to make sense when they all sit together on on the shelf. You know, all four of them have to have kind of some kind of color scheme that works. The soft covers, it's like I, I this is one of the weird things that I argue with Rick about. Is like I think the next soft cover should be this color, and I'm like, no, I have a strategy. I sent him one time like all of, <laughs> a pic a picture of all of the uh, the um, the spines, you know, and I'm like. It goes like blue, green, red, yellow, and then it goes like a slightly different blue, a slightly different green. You know, like there's kind of like there's a, a rainbow, but then it kind of repeats, but not the exact color, like a slightly different version of that color mm -hmm. so that there's never one, the same color. But there, but also you don't have like a red beside an orange or whatever. Like, you, like it's got to be kind of separate on the color wheel uh, from each other. So, <laughs> just, just those are yeah. So yes, I have. A, <laughs> as, as you can tell by what I just said, I like to have a certain amount of control over things. So yes, I, I have certain things that I and and a lot of it is just going back in my old files and just finding all of my roughs and all of my uh, color, uh, uh, all of my like different cover roughs that like never turned into a final cover. And that's always cool. Like finding like, cause I, I had quite a few color cover ideas over the years that just never quite made it. But sometimes I'm like, they still look kind of neat in their thumbnail stage. Sometimes they're even colored and ready to go. So yeah, just putting every single bit and piece into that back matter is, uh, is a uh, time consuming, but it's fun. Cause it's, it just adds to the, adds to those books. So I think it makes it its own thing rather than just a giant collection of the trade paperbacks. It makes it, it makes it its own cool object yeah i think so yeah. i think i think rick's very definitive about that he does it with all of his books you know the the black yeah. science books the there's a glorious yeah. looking seven to eternity coming out soon and the deadly oh, man, class that's ones gonna be superb, crazy you know yeah all the germ opinion stuff and yeah and, and all well i mean he works with like again just separating myself from the rest of the creative teams that he works with yeah i love the artists that he chooses so it's like yeah those are all killer back material to see Mateo Scalera kind of like fit, you know, just the rough roughs or whatever, how he kind of works things up and Jerome's crazy. They're, they're all crazy and they're all amazing artists. So, uh, yeah. And I, I know that Rick takes a lot of pride in like having those as the, to, to him, it's like, those are the final product for him. I think on his bookshelf, having that run of all his books, you know, for me, I think of more of the soft covers, but for him, it's more like the hard covers are like, are the thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, certainly Deadly Class for my own collection. I have all the single issues. Uh, but for me, I would then invest in the hardcovers just because, again, expanded art, you know, they're, yeah. they're glorious yeah. products, you know. But, you know, I cough in here is we always make sure we have certain staples on the shelves. So Deadly Class is one of those, you know, always available at the store, soft covers, hard covers, you. whatever your preference is. But, I mean, last question on Deadly Class just before we move on. I, I do, it may be painful to ask, but I do have to ask about the TV show because... It's so oh, it's so frustrating <laughs> to me as a fan. I thought it was an absolutely perfect adaptation. It was well cast. It was brilliantly shot. The soundtrack was superb. It was it was both loyal to the source material, but also its own thing. And I, I you know, I always use this example in store. It's like something as bland as NCIS gets twenty seasons, and yet something so <laughs> unique and beautiful and different gets one. I. I it, fully deserve to be longer but you know what were your overall impressions you know feelings of the whole pr process is it pride that it even got made is it frustration it didn't go further you know obviously the comic is always going to be you know the main source material but you know what were your overall feelings on the process yeah it's uh, there's a lot of different a lot of different feelings about it it's like 
now it just exists as kind of a commercial for the comic book. And I still have people, tons of people coming up at, at conventions where it's like, I got into the TV show. It's just more available than comic books, you know? So it's like, I got into the TV show and that brought me to the, uh, the comic book. So I'm like, that's great. Um, I wasn't heartbroken about it. I wish we could have gotten a second season out of it just to kind of wrap it up more properly or something. So like, I think when it was being made, the impression was everyone loves it so much. It's going to do great, et cetera. And it did do great. It just didn't do, you know, there's just a lot of math that goes on at the end of it, at the end of the day, how much did it cost to make, how much profit, blah, 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 all these the bean counters um, that that say like yes or no to a, to a season two, season three, et cetera. But at the time they were super, everybody was psyched, very psyched about it. Uh, so I think that's why it has the ending it does. The ending is just a full on like to be continued. I mean, everything is in the middle of the action. <clears throat> and if you read the book, you know that that's kind of how a trade paperback ends, but there's the next trade paperback to get to tell you what happens next. Um, so that's kind of a, I find that frustrating. I wish it could have been a bit more of that type of, the type of TV show where you can tell they don't know if they're going to get a season, a next season, because there's a proper ending, but there's a lot of threads that could go further. Mm -hmm. um, if, if it's picked up, you know, that's what, how a lot of TV shows kind of, kind of end their seasons when they don't know. Um, but I think it's a bit more heartbreaking for Rick because he was really involved like day to day, every day, just killing himself, flying to Vancouver where it's filmed, flying back to LA for the writer's room, picking all the music, in the editing bay he's he's in he's in the he's he's writing a bunch of the episodes with the writer's room and um just the amount of effort that he put into it and it just turned into one season i think that that was i think that was frustrating but for me i was kind of like i'm just my job is just to keep this comic book going and not get too caught up in the tv stuff uh i i got to be involved just as much as i wanted to be involved like i helped a lot with the animations obviously and kind of making sure that they were a like on model kind of with my style and uh and the specifically the middle like the the las vegas tripping on acid in las vegas episode i was like skyping with the director and like he was kind of telling me what he wanted i was doing thumbnails and sending those back to him and that got turned into like these 3d this crazy crazy 3d animation they used for that episode which is like my favorite episode aside from my own involvement in it i just thought they really <laughs> they really captured that drug haze kind of feeling really yeah. well so like uh, i thought that was really cool um but yeah at the end of the day it's just like I, I got to bring my family out to Vancouver to see it get filmed that's across the country in Canada so we flew out there with my when my first child was just uh, like one year old and we got to see that get filmed so I was like I'm never going to get to see this again this is super cool and seeing it's just a group of, a small group of people making this comic book but then it's like it turns into this army and trailers upon trailers and and like you know a hundred extras and all just a, an army of people to get this made uh so that was kind of cool to see that um so yeah it's just kind of like it was a cool experience for me i wish i wish it had gone further for sure i think we could have gotten two seasons or whatever like that would have been cool we were talking about the possibilities of the second season where i would be more of a art director type of role or like some kind of more, more direct role in the comic uh, in the tv show um so that would have been interesting, but you know, uh, at the end of the day, it, it, it is what it is. And uh, I'm very proud of it. And looking back on it, like it looks super cool, super stylish, great actors. Like I'm looking forward to seeing what all of them do next kind of a thing. And uh, I mean, not, you know, there's like a, uh, Lana Condor is already like a, a big star and there's different actors that are on at, at different levels right now, but like, it's exciting to see them do new stuff. Um, 
yeah, so it's just kind of like, it was, it was a cool experience, you know? Uh, uh, I don't really have, I don't think of it, it doesn't pain me to think of just that it was only one season, you know, except for that it feels like when you only get one season, you feel some kind of like, oh, we we failed in some way, but yeah. we got it like super close to how, it was so close to how we wanted it to look and how wanted it to feel. The, the music especially is just like dead on, you know? So, uh, and Rick was very involved with that. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing with it. I mean, it still seems to do so well and has a good following. And mm-hmm. as you say, there is the frustration there wasn't more made, but that cliffhanger, it's kind of nice in a way that it's stuck close enough to the source material that if someone walks into the store, I can literally say, you want to know yeah. more of the story? This is the issue that, that it then carries on from. So as you say, it comes across almost in a, in a weird way as a as a very nice trailer for the superior book so it's okay but uh, there, there was always there was always two issues i always wanted to see filmed i got one of them which was the vegas one of course always yeah. wanted to see issue 26 issue 26 stands as one of my favorite uh, single issues which, of all time so it's the rescue of maria and, oh that uh, would have been so cool and it, was, it would have been a whole a silent episode like oh. you can just picture it you know or, or not not silent but like very little said you know yeah that would have been cool for sure even just the long-term storytelling there you know of you know a certain character coming back and this and that but yeah it was that was the only other one that i was sort of like i really would love to see that in live action but again yeah it's uh so, as you can as you can see wes you might not feel any pain over it but alan has enough pain for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. very much so. taking on taking on my pain i appreciate it <laughs> so how was the how was the process of being the writer and cover artist for gravediggers union i mean given you've you've sort of admitted you like a bit of control was it easy to leave the art to toby cypress and cede that control yeah i think it's just kind of it's like we can do um it's like uh, you can turn on and off certain parts of your personality uh, to a certain degree, you know, like, you know, the job is like, like I'm an, I'm relatively an introvert, but I've just went to two conventions and I've been doing some podcasts. So it's like, you have to turn up whatever part of you that's able to be gregarious and be kind of more talkative. It's like, you got to turn that up for a little while. And then you go back to just being completely quiet and, and sitting at, at, at the drawing table and not talking to anyone all day, which is more of my natural state <laughs> just from doing it for so many years. But uh, yeah, and there, that's part of it too, that it's like, okay, well, I like to be a control freak when it's just me, but this is not just me, it's working with, and, and thinking about, well, how do you like to do it, you know? Um, and asking the artist actually really is just being like, how, how do you like to work? You know, some, some artists like to have free reign and some artists just want to be like, I actually have too many ideas in my head. I just need to be more focused. Like I need to know like exactly what to draw and I'll draw that. So uh, I think with Toby, it was a little bit of, I guess a little bit of both where it's, it's like I was, I tried to make sure he knew everything he needed to know. But uh, yes, the same thing that Rick gave me, I kind of gave to him where it's like, it's up to you to, at the end of the day, how you want to structure this, you, you have to have fun on it. And if you're not going to have fun, it's, it's going to show, it's going to look stiff, it's going to look stifled. So yeah, you have to kind of give them, give them breathing room. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I hope that I, I hope I did that for him. Will there be any future plans to revisit Gravediggers Union in any way, or is that another one that I, you know, draw a line? I have, a, I have a few ideas. It's like again, that finale is kind of the finale for that story. But I do, but that again, like the union itself is kind of a bigger world, and it goes back a few decades, if not, or no, centuries actually, the way that I had it originally. So it's like there's room to do other things. And I kind of like the idea of the monsters I created for that world. Um, 
they're a bit it's like the each one i tried to put a slightly different spin like they're zombies but they're like steroid zombies like just jacked up zombies um and like the bats are like there's an environmental aspect to it where it's like they're kind of like these brazilian rainforest bats that are trying to protect the rainforest from like logging and stuff so um and there's like junk like there's a golem those are kind of made from like junk uh so i kind of like those guys it's like i'd like to do something with them too um they kind of come up in my head and kind of take on a life and then sometimes i think about it, it hasn't turned into anything i i thought of one thing that was kind of like grave diggers adjacent like that horror kind of world it's kind of a hp lovecraft influence kind of a thing but Ooh. uh but it hasn't turned into anything super solid yet i, I gave it a go and then i was like ah. like i drew i wrote the first issue and i was just like it's not coming together quite how i wanted there's something missing so it's like so when that happens it's it's a matter of going for a bunch of walks walking my dog and kind of thinking it through and trying to figure out what's or just just not thinking about it at all and then one day i'll be watching some tv show and be like oh that's the thing like there's this <laughs> one magic piece that kind of makes it all work you know sometimes you have to wait for that to come to you uh, well you said uh you said my boss words there hp lovecraft so uh i'll be i'll be waiting i'll be waiting yeah that well i mean like kaya is kind of all ages but there's just like there's hp lovecraft stuff in uh, conan conan is like a big influence of kaya uh yeah. just that kind of robert e howard and, and hp lovecraft being like uh um uh, you know, they were letters to each other. And so there's a little yeah. bit of aspects of both their work in, in each of theirs. Um, that's a huge, HP Lovecraft is like a huge thing for me. So it kind of finds dark gods and stuff like that always finds their way into all my work. It's just the, these won't be terrifying because it's, like I said, it's, Kai is not all ages, but it's like, like Lord of the Rings. Like you're not going to yeah. scar, your, scar yourself. If you, if you read it as a 13 year old, you're not going to go, oh my God, it's not like horrific or, or gory or, or anything like that. Um, but there are definitely like some ancient temples with endless gods and stuff like that, that they'll, if, if I get to do it for long enough, you'll see some of that stuff for sure. Excellent. So let's, let's talk Kaya. Could you, could sure. you, for, for our listeners, could you, could you tell us a little bit about it and what your inspirations were going in? Yeah. Uh, well, it's a, uh, it's a story of a, uh, a young girl named Kaya who is trained as a hunter, uh, by her uncle, and she has a magic arm. It's like a metal arm that uh, kind of is able to power up uh, when she needs it. That's kind of a bit of a mystery that you can read and it'll, it'll tell the story of that eventually over time. Um, and she comes from a place called Kahaka, which is the, the, uh, the, last tri- the home of the last tribe of man. Her half brother is named Jin. Jin has a great destiny where he is one day supposed to bring down uh, this giant, this un- unstoppable robot empire to the north um and when the robot empire finds out about that they don't like that <laughs> so they come they burn uh they burn this this tribal home to the ground and it was supposed to fall upon uh kaya's uncle kova to uh, kaya's uncle to 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 get jin to this place far away where he's supposed to learn at the feet of the of this of this all-knowing monk um, and that's when he was going to learn the secret to overthrowing this robot empire. But her uncle is killed in the battle and it falls to Kai is just a young girl, but it falls to her. And cause there's no one else around to take on her half brother and bring him across this dangerous land to these, uh, to this monk one day. Uh, so yeah, it's a bit of, she's raised as a, raised as a hunter. She knows how to survive in the wilderness. She's got this, this magic arm but uh she's still only like 13 14 years old so 
not not an easy task. She's she's doing the best she can, but she's a kid, and her and her her younger brother is a spoiled prince who's had nothing but things given to him his whole life. So she's got that around her, uh, lugging him around, basically making sure that he survives this entire this whole experience. That's that's uh that's kind of the gist. That's a long winded. That's an elevator pitch, but only if the elevator lasted a, a few stories going up and down, up and down a few times. <laughs> that is that is perfect without giving too much away. And what uh, uh, what were your what were your inspirations? And in, and in, uh, I mean, you've been you've been you said you've been dwelling on this for quite some time. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I I just I like I think one of those things is just like what do I want? You know, years ago I was like what could I want to do eventually do an ongoing series that I could write and draw? What is the world that would keep me fascinated enough that I could keep going with it? If it did well enough that I could just do this ongoing for, for a few years and fantasy is kind of that one, but it's, there's also there's sci-fi aspect that's mixed into it. Um, it's a fantasy world that's mostly magic and stuff like that, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's earth, but it's earth so far in the future that it looks like the ancient past uh, kind of like, it's like the empires of Babylon and Egypt and stuff like that, but it's not literally, but you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of a world, but yeah. it's so far in the future that there's a robot empire, there's aliens, there's, but there's also ancient temples and there's a history of, you know, the great, the great war, which is like, kind of like us, like in some kind of Terminator style thing where who, I won't be specific or, or, you know, yeah. adventure time, adventure time has the, uh, the great mushroom war, which is like, if you, you know, you can watch it as a kid and just think that's a weird word, but if you're old enough, you're like, oh, uh-huh. there's a, nu- there a nuclear war, and then this is thousands, a thousand years later. It's kind of like that in a way, in a weird way. It's a little bit like that or commandy or something, you know, where yeah. it's like, it's like flung into the future. It looks like a fantasy world, but there's sci-fi elements kind of buried uh, in different, in pockets. Um, that sounds like some lovely word building right there. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like Conan, I think is, she's kind of, it's a bit of a what if Conan was like a fourteen-year-old girl. Like that's like Conan. I that's just, your I, I elevator pitch. Stories. Yeah, that is the elevator pitch. Totally. I don't think I've used that very much, but that kind of is. She's very much like a, a Conan type of character. Like just tough as nails, doesn't talk too much. Just you know, like that kind of a character. Like or uh, uh, the man with no name, or you know that that type of character. But yeah, but yeah, inst- yeah. instead, she's a she's a tomboy instead of this other uh, super tough guy, buff dude, or whatever. Um, that's kind of the, that's one of the starting points of it uh, is is that type of character. I love that kind of class, young, young tough girl kind of character. I wanted to explore that. Well, with Kaya, you know, we've mentioned it before. You're full on for this title. You know, you're writing, you're drawing, you're doing the covers. I mean, you're even doing variant covers. You know, you're you're clearly throwing everything into this. I mean, what's what's your process with it? Are you a nine to five sort of guy, a night owl? Do you just work whenever inspiration takes hold? I mean, what do you find works best for this? It's, it's shifting. It used to be full night when I was like, when I was quite a bit younger, then it's shifted to more of a nine to five. And now with the kids, it's kind of like, I got to find it's nine to five when they're at daycare. But sometimes if I don't get my work done, I got to find pockets after they fall asleep. I'll get in just a little bit more work. And I'm doing that a lot right now. Cause it's like, like I said, deadly class is still going, but I'm trying to get as much Kaya done as I can. So I'm kind of killing myself a little bit to get it all done. But like I said, there's just a few more pages of deadly class. And then my, my schedule will open up a little bit more and I'll be able to breathe a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, mostly though it's nine to five. I, I like to do a little bit of writing in the morning. Um, again, that's taking a bad seat backseat. That's not happening right now because <laughs> there's just too much, too much comics to be drawn currently. But generally if I have one comic that I need to be done, I drop the kids off, go to a coffee shop, write for maybe an hour, come home and uh, draw the pages 
um, draw whatever, you know, draw a page a day and have it inked by the end of the day. Uh, so yeah, I try, I try to keep to a pretty strict schedule. It's just kind of easy to maintain the momentum that way. I, I'm starting well, to understand that finding pockets of space myself because I've just recently yeah. become a father for the first time. So I have a oh, little, congrats, man. thank you very much. A little five and a half week old uh, downstairs. Oh, so, wow. so yeah, I used to be very much a six days a week, open the store, run it, work at night, website stuff, podcasts, whatever, sort yeah. of cutting it down to four days at the moment. So it's, I, I understand it now <laughs> a little better. Yeah. Yeah. There's a combination of like learning how to allocate certain small things uh what do i not have to have control of you know you can give those away i have this guy that comes in and just fills in my blacks like in my black inks and stuff he just mm -hmm. you know just little things that can speed me up and uh, a lot of the the um a lot of the bs a lot of just like do i need to be on twitter right now do i need to be you know just just cut all that stuff it's very hard because again that stuff's addictive too if you just used to kind of drawing all day no one's in the house i get bored i go oh, i want to go to the water cooler which is basically twitter or some or, or whatever instagram or whatever else um just but being like just turn that off completely get your page done and then you know like afterwards that's when it's time to kind of slack off or watch a tv show or do whatever mm -hmm. i mean and you had mentioned sort of earlier on as a as a reader, not necessarily liking sort of changes in artists during stories, and uh, and and also, uh, you know, as a as a as a creator, like in the like in having the the element of control. But are there any plans for any guest artists or guest variant cover artists to lighten your workload? Uh, yeah, I have one idea for. I don't know how how this is going to turn out, but I'd like to do something like Declan Chalvey actually is doing for uh, Time Before Time. There's like kind of like in between issues, in between arcs. Mm -hmm. I think, as far as I understand, I've gotten. Quite a few issues i don't think i've gotten any of those standalone issues yet but because uh, i get them in singles but um uh in between arcs i'd like to do one where i do a short story uh not the full issue and then i get somebody else to do maybe like just a fun like five pager type of thing and then i could fill the back of it with just just letters and all you know just fan stuff letters mm -hmm. drawing drawings and anybody like the fans wanted to do stuff like that and maybe i could do that as, as a one issue thing in between each story arc. Um, and also the variant cover stuff, yes, for sure. I'm getting other artists to do the next arcs variants. <laughs> That's just too much work, but I had something very specific in mind for this first arc. It's five issues and each, there's one variant cover, one main variant cover for each issue and each, and each one of them is, 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 uh, is me aping the style of something that inspired uh, Kaya. So the first issue is like Jack Kirby Commandy style. Uh, that's the variant for the first issue. The second issue is Adventure Time. Is like and against Kaya and Jin, and Jin, but drawn in that style. Second issue is Adventure Time. Third issue I think is Hellboy Mike Minola. Fourth issue is like a Mobius tribute, and the fifth issue is my really weak attempt at doing a frank frazetta painting. <laughs> class i can't do it it's so like it's obviously i was like huh guess what you can't just try to do oil painting i did a digital version of it but even that is kind of like you can't just try to do being it it takes a whole lot longer than just like a few days to become like a master of oil painting <laughs> so and I, and I knew that but it was like the composition is kind of a frisetta style composition and the colors are kind of you know I did I did my best attempt but it is yeah. not uh, I can do a pretty good Kirby a pretty good Mignola 
even like a not bad Mobius. Uh, but yeah, Frazetta is a whole different level of of, yeah. of of skill, you know. That's the reason Frank Frazetta is Frank Frazetta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's not a whole lot of other people aping that style unless they're like full-on illustrators, you know, fine arts illustrators or whatever. Well, again, right. I, I love the idea that even the variant covers have a theme again. It, it obviously shows the amount of thought and effort and, you know, inspiration going into this. I mean, you said you're, you're a couple of issues ahead at this point, obviously ahead of the October release. I mean, we're obviously hoping that the title is a hit, you know, as, as I like to say, more Wes Craig art in the world makes it a better place. So, you know, if it, <laughs> if it does do well, which is obviously what we're hoping for, do you have a, again, do you have a length in mind or is it a, is it an arc by arc basis? Is it a 30 issue or is it a 50 issue? You know, is there a preferred length in mind for it? Yeah, I do. But it's like, I feel like I'm cursing myself by saying it because it's kind of a lofty goal and it's just not how things work these days. But I do have an idea. I would like it to be, and who knows, maybe it'll be do amazing and it'll be more than this. I have no idea. But what I'd like to do right now, what I have in mind is I'd like to have it be like nine, nine trade paperbacks worth, Mm -hmm. uh, three, three arcs, three arcs, three arcs. Tiny, tiny little breaks between the arcs because again, I'm doing it mostly myself. Except I, uh, Jason Wordy is the letterer and uh, Tom Napolitano is the letterer. But uh, it's the, sorry, Jason Wordy is the colorist. Tom Napolitano is the letterer. Aside from that, though, it's all me. So it's like it's a lot of work. So little breaks between maybe. But I'd like to get get to that third arc and then be like, okay, take like a month off and just think of where do you want to go with it. Um, but I have it pretty figured out. Like I've got the first arc totally figured out. I have. Are, uh, the the first sorry the first three arcs are like pretty figured out on from there I've got a, a skeleton of what it's supposed to be and I just I don't want to like pigeonhole myself too far in where it's like you know I'll be a better writer by the time I get there I want to leave a little bit of room to kind of grow and, and be better so I don't want to nail it down exactly but uh, yeah that would be that would be my dream to do uh, nine trade paperbacks worth that would be super cool if which, I could which of if, course if would I be three glorious people, hardcovers that's true. That's true. I or, honestly don't uh, really think about that very much, yeah, but yeah. it's true. That would be great. I but then yeah, nine. Yeah, uh, that would be that would be pretty pretty cool. Nine trade paperbacks. That was that was bone. Uh, it was nine trades. Yeah, is that how much it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Is that what it is? Because I used to have the trades, and then eventually I I traded those in for the the, the, the one volume, the, the giant one that I still have there. It's slow, slowly far, falling apart on my shelf. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That is that's true. That that seems pretty pretty perfect for me that would be that would be nice but if i have kind of the thing where it's like i could see it if it's more successful i could open it up from there a little bit more and if it's less successful i have the the middle part it can kind of be expanded or contracted depending on how well it does you know like i no matter what i want to be able to do the whole thing but i i i'm feel like i'm realistic enough to know that that might not happen so i'm kind of like leaving a little bit of wiggle room in the middle there to kind of either either expand or contract depending on its success uh yeah well i think you have you have coffee and heroes on board so whatever (laughs) whatever little thing that alan is able to do i'm sure we'll uh, you know this helps getting it in the shop helps it all it all helps you know so i appreciate it and uh you've worked for at this stage we actually've worked for all the the big companies and comics but what is it about image that keeps you coming back? I mean, they keep saying yes for one thing. Really cool. <laughs> the most honest answer we've ever had, right there. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, they're they're like my favorite publisher, though, for num- for a number of reasons. Um, they've had different periods where it's like I'm just all about them. Like, uh, 
yeah, different periods where I, I just, that's like, they're my favorite publisher. And also they give you the most freedom. They give you the best deal because it's all yours. It's not some kind of sharing thing where people say creator owned, but it's not really creator owned. Like there's other publishers out there that are, they, they, they say that, but it's not quite that. It's more of a creator participation. They cut you in, but they have a lot of control over the thing that you give them. So I'm, I'm lucky to be able, the, the trade-off is that maybe you get some more money up front from that publisher or whatever there, you know, it depends on what you need to do. Because mm, yeah. I, I would make that deal if I had a creative team that I needed to pay for, I would give them a piece of it. But for me, it's like I'm writing and drawing it, the whole thing anyway. So I don't need to, I just need to pay uh, Jason and, and Tom, that's it, you know, I, and, and I, I can do that. I can handle that. So, um, and then they, I can get some, you know, get some money back at the, on the tail end or whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, and they don't really mess with you. They guide, they give you just the amount of guidance that you need to make it the best thing it can be, but they don't, you know, force you into anything. They don't say, change this, change that. Um, and yeah, like I was saying, like, they're just one of my favorite publishers when I was a kid. And then even after that, they had a period where it was like they did, uh, they were doing Kabuki and Powers and Red Star, which is kind of forgotten now, but I thought it was super cool. And like, uh, they had a period there where they were doing some really, you know, they weren't like recognized as much as they became or as, as much as they were, but I was super into it at that time. I thought they were publishing a lot of cool stuff. Um, and then afterwards, yeah, there's that period, like you said, where Deadly Class came out in East of West and Sex Criminals, and they're just like, bang, 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 like all these, all these big name people were coming over from the, uh, from DC and Marvel and doing like great work over there. That was super exciting. So yeah, they're just, they're an exciting, it's a bit more like, they don't have the Image Expo anymore, but it's, and it's a bit more kind of one piece at a time, but every once in a while you get something where it's like, they just keep, they keep doing it, you know, they keep putting out exciting stuff. So yeah, I'm just, I'm happy to be there and I'm happy that they're, uh, I'm happy that they are happy that I'm there. <laughs> everyone's happy. <laughs> yes, everyone's happy. <laughs> and, and how does the pressure compare with, you know, creating your own worlds for something that is completely creator owned versus drawing the likes of say Batman or Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, given that they're long established characters and worlds, do you feel more pressure to add to their mythology or less pressure because so many interpretations of them already exist? Yeah, I think it's like the the more things you take on, the more pressure you, the more pressure I feel, the more things I take on, like writing Kaya rather than just drawing deadly class. It's like that's more pressure. It's all your ideas. If it fails, it's on you. It's not on anybody else in the creative team. It's uh, so that can be pressure. But there's a certain amount of pressure with the DC and Marvel stuff because they are comparing you against just decades and decades of amazing writers and artists, you know? So if, if you don't draw Batman the way that they, that this one, and they're, you know, they're very passionate and some of them are a little crazy. So they get online and uh, they'll go, I can't believe they got this garbage artist to do this thing. And, you know, you, you got to deal with that stuff. That's, right. that's, that's rough. Uh, not, I've seen other people that happen to crazy. I've, I've dealt with just the tiniest little bit of it. Like back when I was doing guardians of the galaxy, but at the same time, I remember to this day, I remember this criticism, but they were like, this artist isn't good. They look like, I don't know. They compared me to someone like really amazing, like Walter Simonson or something. So I was like, whatever, I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that insult. That's an, that's the best insult ever. And, and somebody like compared me to Walter Simonson and somebody else who was awesome. So I was just like, whatever, you know, it's just, just a matter of taste. It's not a matter of good, good or bad. Um, in terms of adding things to the world, that becomes much of more of a murky kind of thing because, and again, one of the reasons I love Image is I, I, I like a lot of, I like the people I've worked with at DC and Marvel and I love those characters, but you know, it's just, it's a history of, 
it's a it's a history of people getting screwed over you know <laughs> i mean what can you say i can't i can't really i can't pretend that it's not that you know like people create the characters and then they get cut in for some tiny little thing maybe if they're lucky and then it's like but if you run down me and rick one time we, me and remender were sitting there at, at a uh, actually it was for san diego the year that we did uh the deadly class tv show thing we're doing like the hype up before the show came out and we're just sitting having tacos and just talking and he he kind of ran down like the all the different like the history of people that have been kind of mm. given given something to these companies and then been given kind of not not much or nothing back and it was a lot <laughs> you know like mm. by the end of it i felt like he was almost about to get on the table and like and therefore we shall never work for these companies again, you know, uh, which isn't, you know, not how I felt, not how he felt, but it was like, but it was pretty strong evidence, you know, you got to just, yeah. but all, at, at the other end, you got to sign the right contract. You can't just sign whatever they give you. You got to realize that mm. they have value. You have value. You're not just a cog in the machine. You know, if you're going to create something for them, then you got to be, you, they got to take care of you. You know, it is, it is a different world than, back in the day when Siegel and Schuster signed over Superman for however 300 bucks for however much it was it's like obviously it's a much different world there's different places to go back in the day they had nowhere else to go and if they did go there they would get screwed over there too you know like it's like it was just a shark kind of environment back then so now there's so many options it's like you don't need to sign over all your rights just to just to be able to work for these guys so that that's the aspect too is you can't just be it you got to be smart you can't just be you got to be a certain we're we're all flaky artists but you have to again turn on that part some part of your brain as a businessman like just while you're talking to them and signing that contract be a businessman and then go back to the art side of things uh, that you enjoy you know yeah, and i mean speaking of that uh, i mean as a professional with any creator own title income can quite often be achieved a little further down the line so do you have any other you know, obviously, Kaya first and foremost center of your center of your mind and your your drawing board right now. But do you have any other sort of upcoming work lined up? Variant covers, one shots, anything like that? Uh, yeah, I have one thing. Uh, no, I, right now it's like again, I, I, I'm two and a half. I'm I'm at the middle of the second issue for Kaya. I would like to be again. I'm almost done Deadly Class, so I can get to th three issues. Is like the safe space where if the first issue comes out, you got three in the tank. Uh -huh. You're good, you know. And I'm a fast worker, and I'm so into it. I can work on it until my hand falls off. So it's fine. Like once I get don't going, do that. I'll, no, like you know. <laughs> but I I can I can I can chug away at it really really well. So it's like once I get there, I know I'll be getting back up to speed. Um, but uh, but for now it's kind of like I got a few commissions left that I have to do. Your Coffee and uh, Heroes commission was part of that year long kind of commission thing that I took on. Uh, like I did, I do like two per month or whatever. Uh, and um, so I got a few things that I left to have to finish off. But really, it's just like part of the job right now is saying no to everything that comes my way. <laughs> and I'm like, I will say yes again, but for the next few months, it's just like just only do Kaya and just worry about that. I have one. Uh, one variant cover coming up for Love Everlasting, the uh, Tom King and Elsa yeah. Chartier book, which it's like she's, we've talked back and forth and she was, she did this video about Deadly Class and she's been so, so nice and flattering to me. I was like, there is no way that I can't, I got to do this cover. <laughs> I, got, I owe her something for sure. So I'm doing that. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I'm just kind of just bearing down and uh, getting, getting as much Kaya stuff done as I can so that these deadlines aren't a constant source of, of stress for me. I want to be far ahead enough that it's like, I can handle any, you know, again, with two kids, it's like, you never know what's coming your way in terms of you might get a cold, they might get a cold from daycare, all kinds of stuff. So 
trying to get far enough away that I can handle any uh, unforeseen uh, problems. That, uh, that sounds like the title of your heartbreak album. I will say yes again. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask yes. as well about obviously For original sure. art. You, you say you do commissions and so forth. Obviously you've sold pages of Deadly Class and so mm. forth, which of course I'm a proud owner of as well. With, with Kaya being completely your baby, Will you sell the issue, uh, the pages to issue one, or will that be very much a this is mine? You know, maybe from issue two onwards, I can part, but issue one, I want to yeah. keep back. I don't know. I'm not sure. It's a tough <laughs> one. When you do the whole thing, yeah, it's like way harder. I had a hard time separating myself from the Grave Diggers uh, pages that I did, like the covers and stuff. I, I think I've most of that stuff is for sale. But yeah, there's there's things that come along once in a while that I'm like, I, I just can't do it. But over time, the love fades I suppose, you move, <laughs> no, I suppose you move on to different there, projects there's a tag, that's, my, difficult second that's my second album yeah for sure the love over time the love fades but uh uh it's not so much that it's just more like you're not as precious about it so you're like yeah you know what if this can help me pay the rent then that's fine you know just it i think of that stuff as all helping to keep the comic book going you know it's like if i have ancillary like other side things that keep keep the income coming in i don't have to just worry about the single issue sales and stuff like that so uh, that's what that's what it is with Deadly Class and uh, with this too. I might I definitely might hold on to a few pages from that first issue, like the cover. I think I kind of I've used it for so many things. I gotta hold on to that. Um, and I have an idea for a contest where uh, maybe if somebody if if people put Kaya on their reserve on their pull list, I might do a little contest where I'm going to give away some original art and a bunch of other Kaya giveaway stuff to like, as, as just like maybe pick five people that have emailed me that which comic shop they, they go to and stuff like that mm -hmm. and do a little giveaway that way. But it won't be the first issue. It'll be the second issue. I think <laughs> <laughs> nice. the, the pages that I give away, yeah. I mean, the, the original art, you know? Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, see, I held back on buying a Deadly Class page. I was hoping to get a page from issue 26 because, again, it just, you know, it just stands mm -hmm. out so much. But those pages just so like that. They went so, so quickly. Uh, so I ended up getting yeah. the later page. But I did end up getting a page with Marcus and Maria on it. That was my, my key goal. So that was all good. Okay, cool. Nice. Are they all gone? All those pages? All of 26 so... went. See, if you, if it, oh, oh, is wow. it Cadence comic art that you sell through, I think? Yeah, yeah. And they, they yeah. still have pages from loads of different issues. And I remember yeah. going on it and going, right, let's let's go. Page 20, or issue 26. And there was pages from 25, pages from 27, <laughs> and in both directions. So, uh, yeah. So oh, if you have man. any pages of issue 26 lying around, you have a willing paying customer right there. <laughs> Yeah, I'll take a look. I'll take a look. I do keep a few pages from each issue, but usually there's like it's like when there's a panel that's been photoshopped in or something like that. But I'll I'll see what I got. We'll see. <laughs> well, uh, you've you've been exceptionally you know generous with your time. Just a couple of questions, just to to finish off with. You know, a couple of maybe personal questions. I suppose. I mean, you said obviously sure. downtime is important. You know, as well as you know doing that nine to five and family time and so forth. I mean, is there anything you're particularly enjoying at the moment? You know, TV wise or comics that you're enjoying reading anything like that uh yeah i think uh, these are the things that i'm gonna blank on actually i, I that marvel thing that you're i'm trying to think of this marvel thing that you guys asked me off air and i'm like i'm still like <laughs> trying to figure out what that is but uh in terms of tv yeah like the new uh, house of dragons is really good i was thinking it was just gonna be kind of like a whatever kind of show where it's like it Game of Thrones was so popular, I guess we'll make a new <laughs> Game of Thrones show. And I watched the first two episodes and I was like, oh, this is actually really good. So that's that's enjoyable. Sandman I'm enjoying. Uh, again, I I didn't think that they were really going to be able to nail it, but it's 
it's also maybe been maybe 15 years since I read the series. So it's just bringing back all these memories. I'm like, oh yeah, all, all these cool, all these cool characters, like such a filled out world. And I can't wait one day for me. One of those things is I can't wait to see that thing where he, I want them to make it to the episode where he invites all the gods to, uh, to the dreaming. And it's like Thor and Loki and like the angels and the demons and all different mythologies coming in there. Like that was my favorite story. Uh, so I'd like to see that. Um, aside from that, man, uh, I've been watching Atlanta while I've been drawing. That's super cool. That's got the last season coming up, which is just like, so such a weird, it's like, for me, it's such a perfect mixture of strange, strange David Lynch kind of like what is going on stuff and also just funny and like just a cool story. Like, yeah, I really like that one. That, that That's one of my favorites more recently. Um, that's off the top of my head. And cool. in terms of comics, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying uh, Department of Truth is one yes. that I go to right away. Like, I really like that story. That first issue for me is like one of the better setup issues that I've read in quite a while where the, it's like, there's certain things that make me want to, whether it be a TV show or a comic, I want to set it down and like, whoever's next to me, I'm like knocking them like, did you, oh man, that was so cool. <laughs> you know, it really hypes me up. And I was that, that, that last page on that first issue was a killer. Yeah. Um, it's just, it makes you got to get the next issue, that kind of yeah, thing. Like yeah. that great to be continued um and uh so that's one i'm thinking of the things that i have there's there's a lot of comics i get but there's the ones that pop into my mind or you know you come home with your stack of comics but there's always two or three in there that are going to go to the top of the pile those are getting read first i'll get to the other ones um i like human target quite a bit yeah um the the, the greg smallwood drawings are pretty crazy and uh uh what's the other one there's something oh it's always uh, Sean Phillips, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, uh, everything they do. It's like, I've got an entire, I got like everything they have on the bookshelf over uh -huh. here. And that, that just, com that combination is, is always great. It, it's all, it always gets read first. Cause I'm just like, it's always good. They've, they're kind of consistently like, I've learned a lot too. There's like, like a bit of narration in Kaya, uh, Jin as an older person is narrating the story. And it's oh. like a lot, a lot of Ed Brubaker's stuff. It's if you really look at it, like a ton of it is narration. There's not that much actual dialogue that happens. Like, I mean, there, there is, but there's there's always a main character that that fills you in on a lot of the story, and it kind of allows Sean Phillips more freedom to just do a cool drawing. And so I learned some learned some tricks from there. The, the regular um, books have been fantastic. Yeah, so good. Like they're so and and yeah, it's just it's it's all good. I, I don't think I've ever put something that I didn't enjoy. Uh, some stronger, the... stronger than others, but yeah, always good. You know. Have you tried that Texas Blood? No, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, it's crazy. Now it's like yeah. his son is amazing. And uh -huh. uh, yeah. I'm, I'm uh, Sean Phillips and I'm blanking on his son's name, but yeah, he's uh, great. Jacob. And uh, yeah, yeah, Jake Phillips. Thank you. Uh -huh. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, that looks really cool. Yeah, I've got to check that out. And mm. uh, Newburn looks really good. And yeah, all, like all that works looks really cool. Um, I recommend it. All of those. All of those. It's really um, good. Yeah. yeah. And also that uh, that Christian Ward book, The Vampire. Uh, Blood Thing Teeth. Yeah, that just looks super crazy. Just the garish, out of control colors and the art. It looks really cool. I haven't checked it out yet. Um, that actually reminds me of something else too, actually. Like Declan Shalvey's uh, Time Before Time is, is I really love that. Joe Palmer's drawings are crazy. And again, that first issue was a killer. Like I was just like, wow, that is just yeah. a great first issue. It's got such a strong hook, such a mind mind bending kind of kind of middle part there they're just like oh like I, not to spoil anything but you're like oh man that's crazy like the yeah. way that they use time travel is really cool 
Yeah, uh, so yeah, that's that's another one that I it's on my it's on my pull list. You know, we had a, a great conversation with uh, with Declan and Rory uh, just mm. before just at the launch of of Time. Oh, oh really? Time. And nice. uh, we've we've also been logging off the chat to Chris Condon and uh, and Jacob Phillips about that Texas blood. So oh cool. Uh, well, I'll be break. checking those out. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, so so that brings us to our to our, our query our question mm-hmm. uh, about your favorite DC uh, Marvel and indie titles of all time. Yeah, wow, it's so tough. Uh, <laughs> I'm going back. It's like again for DC to start off with Teen Titans. I went through that already. That was amazing. I, I felt like at the age that I was at, I was like a little kid. I don't know how old I was, but you know, like pre uh, pre teen, and it was that perfect thing where they were writing just slightly above my my age group. I didn't feel like they were writing down to me. There was real relationships. Like there was like real emotions, real kind of romance, and and crazy action and George Perez's beautiful, amazing oh. art. Um, so that, that was a big thing for me. Uh, and when I was a kid, I was thinking like, yeah, like Jim Lee on X-Men really blew me away. Actually, my brother just got, speaking of that Wildstorm stuff, my, my brother just got some old Wildstorms at a convention we were at and he was leafing through them and it was bringing just flooding, like floods of memories back. I was like, oh my God, did I love this stuff so much, you know? It was just wild. And everything looked so cool. It was just so cool. Yeah. Like all, all this tech that he drew and all the costumes, it was all just so cool, you know? All that, uh, um, Wells Protasio did uh, at that time, it was, uh, oh, what did you call it? Wetworks. Wetworks, uh, yeah. That was yeah. fantastic as well. Yeah, they were all so good. And it was kind of like, uh, yeah, I think for me, I don't know, it changed over time. I used to copy Todd McFarlane when I was a kid. I used to copy his style and those big long panels that he would do of big, huge faces with the bulging eye and all the detail. But at the end of the day, like Jim Liu, I think was my favorite of that group. Everybody's got their favorite, you know? Yeah, Although yeah. like reading it, I think Savage Dragon was the best read, but like Jim Lee's art was like my favorite art. Um, uh, so that's your, that's, your, your Marvel is, is Jim yeah, Lee's no, uh-huh. I can't go with that as a kid, I'd oh, say that as, okay. as a kid, but, uh, as a grown up man, I finally just read born again, Daredevil born again. And it's uh-huh. such a road answer. I'm sure everybody answers like 90% of comic book creators probably answer born <laughs> again, but so good man all of frank miller's work on daredevil really like as a kid and now i in deadly class i reference uh electra lives again like all the time like that's like a huge huge have you ever seen that one it's like a uh an like a european album style yeah like bigger than comic book size i got that as a kid and that just blew my mind the way that he does he just has such a love of drawing in it like perspective and drawing little details it's kind of like frank miller at his peak in terms of art uh, I mean, so is Dark Knight Returns and so is Sin City. He tries different things on different projects, but it's that, that one for me is the most enjoyable one to look at. Uh, and uh, yeah, and it, just Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli on year one at DC and Batman year one and, and on Born Again is just so good. Such mm-hmm. a fun story. It reconnects me with that little kid where I'm like, by the end, I'm, I'm like pumping my fist for Daredevil to come, to come back. You know, you're like, you can yeah. do it, you know, which is hard to do when you're, when you're older, you get jaded, you've read a million stories. It's hard to kind of get that emotion out of you from a comic book, but they, I'm like, this is why he was, he was one of the best back in the day is he was able to do that. Um, and him teaming with David Mazzucchelli, not all of his stories are great, but when he teams with Mazzucchelli, it's just, it's like, Elevates like Grant Morrison, Grant Morrison, and Frank quietly. quietly. Yeah. There's certain teams that are just really suit each other, and that's one of them. And give but, us your uh, My indie of all time is, uh, oh man, that's really tough. Yep. Oh, you know what? Oh yeah, I think 
Okay, well, I'm going to say Hellboy is my favorite, like just genreist type thing. It's so obvious. Why didn't I think of that? Hellboy, even though you know it's Dark Horse, it's, but I'd say that's on the indie side. That's my favorite. That's like my favorite comic of all time. I can't oh, wow. I mean, yeah, I think there's a few different, you know, top five that change over the years. Yeah, but I think the course. I always come back to Hellboy. It's just, it's so, it's, and again, that H.P. Lovecraft thing. That's how I know H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't know about it if it weren't through fine, digging into what inspired Hellboy, I'm sure. Cool. Um, and I just recently read From Hell. That's my other answer from Alan Moore and Eddie Campbell. And I think that's like the best thing he's ever written. I think it might be better than Watchmen in a way. It's so like, it's crazy to say, but I don't think it's gained the traction that some of his other work has done because it's so horrific. It's not going to appeal to everybody. Like it's terrible. You know I mean? It's just like, it's really a true, true horror story the way that Eddie Campbell draws some of that stuff. But it's like amazing. It's amazing. It's like it changes you. By the end of it, I was like a changed person a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, wow, this, I can't believe it's taken me this long to read it. That kind of, you know, fantastic. That was commitment to an answer, by the way. That's that's massively appreciated right there. But uh, yeah, my turn to reach slightly off camera just to just just to grab this absolute beauty that I have just recently had framed. (laughs) <laughs> so you know Wes had obviously mentioned a, a deadly class commission that I had you know I, I think it was during lockdown I first got in touch about this and I think you do yeah. 12 commissions a year one a month or that kind of thing but I yeah, always just like wanted that, yeah. the main characters of deadly class outside of the store uh, I really love the detail by the way that if you look at the comic books on the shelves Declan mm. will very much appreciate this you have old dog on there did I? Oh, nice. Yeah, an old dog. I've been talking with them back and forth about these, you know, both of our big creator own things that we're doing coming out. So yeah, we've been, he's been on my mind. Just an absolute beauty. As I say, I couldn't have been happier with it. It'll be proudly displayed in the store, but yeah, the two titles you put on the shelf were old dog and saga and saga's mother. Oh, really? Hattie's favorite comic. So you've, you've done well there. <laughs> Nice, nice. I should have put more. Two seems kind of like uh, I was slacking, but uh, it's, it's it's hard to get those logos on there, man. It's tough. <laughs> I mean, when I see the level of detail and tattoos on Saya's arm, I don't think I could accuse you of slacking. So you nothing to worry about <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, it's a lot for sure. But uh, yeah, as I say, you know, we'll, we'll we'll bring it to a close now. I mean, Deadly Class we obviously talked about reaches its conclusion on October twelfth with issue fifty six, which I think you said was thirty eight pages. Uh, yeah, like thirty. I could have the wrong. I'm almost sure it's thirty-eight yeah, pages. That's, yeah. that's going to be big, both a big going to be both be a great and sad day for myself with that. Uh, you've also got the final trade paperback releasing on November 9th and then a deluxe hardcover to follow early next year. I should ask just mm-hmm. very quickly one last question with regards to Deadly Class. Why was Maria not the cover of the third hardcover? I know, I know. She'll be number four though. <laughs> I have a regular She'll in store who said, you know, he was going to burn all his deadly class books if Maria wasn't the, <laughs> the cover of the fourth one. No, number four is already done. It's a done deal. She's number. I was like, there's no way Maria's not number four. I think it's just because in the middle of that other group kind of came after the first culling of all the students, and it's yeah. like Helmet kind of took off as people's new favorite character. So we felt like we should put him on there. Yeah, but yeah, Maria's coming. Can't leave Maria out. Made perfect sense. Well, as I said, the last Deluxe Hardcover will follow early next year. And then, of course, Kaya is scheduled to hit comic stores October 5th. So make sure to get those pre-orders in. I mean, the title's already garnering praise from the likes of Kieran Gillen, Robert Kirkman. You know, these are heavy hitters and know their stories inside and out, guys. So you really will not want to miss out on on the launch of this. Uh, So get it on that uh, pull list. And you never know, you may even have a competition to enter should you put it on said pull list. So more details for that, I'm sure it will come out. But 
Again, Wes, it's been an, an absolute pleasure. As I say, I, I tried to keep my fanboying to a minimum. I think I've done quite well, <laughs> but uh, I'll yeah. leave it there. And uh, and again, best of luck with Kaya. And you know, just know you've you've we will be pushing that title to the moon and back as as much as we can, certainly. Oh man, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, good talking to you guys. Good yeah, questions. 100%, yeah, pleasure, pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. Yeah. Hope you guys Cheers. enjoyed this. Cheers. And hope you guys enjoyed this. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in the store soon. Cheers. So I've been Alan Taylor and this has been Keith Miller. You can find Alan in store at Coffee and Heroes and on Twitter where Alan is at Coffee and Heroes 1 and I'm Ascanison00. Coffee and Heroes is a local comic book shop, coffee shop and community hub in Northern Ireland based at Smithfield Market in the centre of Belfast. You can find Coffee and Heroes on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or email us at coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. Make sure to check out our YouTube channel as well. The Coffee and Heroes podcast is available on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and through all good podcast platforms. Please like and subscribe and leave a review so more people can find us. And until next time, happy reading and hope to see you in store.